What is hip happening, my trainerinos? It's me, your host, Ryan Geyser. Back with another episode of I Wanna Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Em All was taken. I'm not really sure what to talk about this week. I haven't really had a lot going on. And that's actually kind of a lie because I've been very busy, but it's not interesting to talk about stuff. It's just a lot of smaller things I have to get done. I guess one thing to note is that I started playing Persona 4. It's fun, 5 was better, but I'm enjoying 4 so far, and that's just my opinion on the start of the third dungeon. I haven't really gotten further than that, but 5 is better, let's face it, Persona 5 is a better game. I also got the new Fire Emblem Warriors game, and I really hope to play it soon before it's completely spoiled for me, because I'm already seeing some spoilers online, and the game, at the time of recording this, has only been out for like 2 days. So pray for me. Oh, and one other thing. We're actually nearing the point roughly where it's estimated the movie chronologically takes place. So that means that Pokemon the first movie is probably going to happen soon. I just need to set up a time to record with a friend, and hopefully we'll get you a good movie review. It'll be a first, and it'll be a big special event, and I definitely want to make sure I have a guest for that one, because it's, it's such a big event for this podcast that I definitely want to make it a bit more special than usual. So with that news, let's jump right into today's episode with... Episode 63, The Battle of the Badge. Synopsis. Ash arrives at his eighth and final gym, just moments after Gary challenges it as well. However, when Gary suffers one of his first losses, Ash then goes in to fight a battle against a surprising opponent. Finally returning to Viridian City, Ash comments that it's been a year since they've been there. While that comment is dub only, I still take it to mean time has passed. The group then passes by and points out a now-fixed Pokemon Center, calling back to Episode 2, before Brock leads the trio to the gym, a gladiator-styled building. As Ash hypes himself up, fire appears in his eyes. Before Misty tells him that he should put out the campfire, Pikachu and Togepi set by his feet, his shoe catching fire. It's a really odd visual gag. That's okay, Pikachu. You were just trying to get me all warmed up for the battle, weren't you? Just as Ash vows to win alongside Pikachu, Brock crying manly tears, Gary shows up to mock him. (laughs) Still playing with your cute little polka pals. Gary teases the trainer, betting he doesn't even have enough badges for the league. Ash retorts that this is the last one he needs, causing Gary to brag about his 10 badges. Now, interesting thing to note here. Out of all 10 of his badges, only 3 actually exist in the game. Brock's gym, Misty's gym, and Erica's gym. As such, that means he either didn't fight or lost to Surge, Sabrina, Koga, and Blaine. When you think about it though, it does make some sense. Misty's sisters, and I believe Brock, both commented that Gary beat Ash to their gym. He thought there wasn't a gym on Cinnabar, so he never even knew about Blaine. He was never under the threat of getting dolled by Sabrina, so that's why he was fine in that regard. Koga's gym wasn't even on the map, since it was a hidden forest mansion. And if he did challenge and lose to Surge, he maybe lost to an infamously vicious trainer. Or maybe he never fought him at all for some odd reason. I do, once again, love the little lore edition. I think it's mentioned in the games, but having the anime explicitly mention that each region has more than just 8 gyms that you can challenge in any order, and all you need is to just defeat 8 of however many of them there are, is a fun addition. 
but I won't talk about it too much since I already kind of discussed it a bit in the Dark City episode. Gary then tells Ash that he plans on battling the gym leader for funsies on his way back home, and announces his intent to battle before strutting in, followed by his girls. Ash tries to follow, but is stopped by two giant axe-wielding gladiators, saying only one trainer at a time is allowed in. Ash tries to think of something he can do to not fall behind, but Misty gives him a reality check. Oh, if I don't do something fast, Gary's gonna get way ahead of me. A reality check, Ash. Gary's been ahead of you from the start. Maybe you could be just a little easier on Ash right now. Well, I'm only telling the truth. While Ash cries over his failure, Togepi goes to comfort him. Thinking it's Pikachu, Ash thanks them for always being there for him. But upon seeing Togepi, he gets surprised for a second, tosses Togepi in the air, where they land on and spring off a flagpole like Mario, then fly into a Fero's beak, and then get carried off by the panicked bird. Why did you do that to my Togepi? Misty, it was an accident. Huh? Uh, get it, egg? Let's go! Togepi! Team Rocket, looking for Pikachu from a roof of a skyscraper, has Togepi dropped on them. Specifically dropped on James's butt, causing him to assume a very confused Meowth was getting a little frisky. The Rocket Trio then notices Togepi waddling around, and Jesse tries to grab it. The Pokemon, however, jumps out of the way and climbs across a wooden plank to a construction site. I'm sure you can see where this is going. Jessie tries to follow, but the plank breaks out from under her, causing her to fall! James and Meowth run down to try and catch her, but miss terribly as she falls into a new human-shaped hole in the ground. However, she does manage to snatch the also-fallen Togepi. Elsewhere, Gary begins his gym battle against the intimidating Giovanni. Gary starts with Nidoking, Giovanni with Golem. Golem tries to tackle, but Gary quickly has his Nidoking tackle back, winning the strength contest and slamming Golem into a wall, knocking it out. Giovanni follows up with Kingler, and after Nidoking dodges a few pincher stabs, Gary switches it out with an Arcanine. Arcanine uses takedown, then a fire spin! Confident in his victory and skill, Gary brags about himself to his girls before having Kingler KO'd with a fire blast. After offering Giovanni a chance to surrender, the gym leader laughs and intimidatingly stands up from his chair, revealing his face for the first time in the series, and ominously saying he'll use the last battle to test his strongest Pokemon. A large door opens, and a humanoid Pokemon wearing robotic armor emerges, effortlessly levitating Arcanine and slamming it into a wall. Spoilers, it's Mewtwo. I have to say that or else my descriptions might get confusing, so yeah, it's pre-movie Mewtwo. Gary frantically wonders what this Pokemon is, but can't find any data on it in the Pokedex, one of the few times in the anime the no-data-found excuse actually holds water. Giovanni goads him on, saying he's even allowed to use multiple Pokemon. Initially defiant, Gary eventually sends out both Nidoking and Arcanine at Mewtwo, but both of them are levitated and restrained without any visible effort. As Giovanni boasts about his undefeatable Pokemon, Gary can do nothing but watch and whimper horrified. After a commercial break, the Rocket Trio presents Togepi to their boss as a rare and valuable Pokemon, but he is disinterested due to its lack of abilities. What exactly does this Pokemon do? Uh, uh, what does this thing do? Uh, well, 
Good question. Uh huh. Oh. Well, it would certainly make a handsome paperweight. You fools! I mean, to be fair to Togepi, it is rare, it's just not that strong. While the rockets get chewed out, Togepi jumps out of their grasp and waddles away. Giovanni then gets a phone call and hurriedly gets up to leave in a panic, saying there was an accident. He leaves Jesse, James, and Meowth in charge of the gym, giving them some Pokemon to defend it with. He then jumps into his chair, slides backwards, and spins through a revolving wall while the trio celebrate their newfound power. Giovanni walks through a hidden base filled with caged Pokemon and releases Mewtwo from a stasis, saying it has a new assignment. In the city, Ash's group frantically looks for Togepi, meeting up at the gym when they're unsuccessful. Misty at first worries for her Pokemon, then switches to angrily shaking Ash. Thankfully, Togepi is heard from inside the gym, and the trio pry open the doors to rescue it. At first, Brock wonders how it even got inside, but then quickly points out Gary's group lying unconscious on the ground, both him and Ash screaming about their priorities. Look over there! Huh? It's Gary! And the girls! Ash wakes Gary up, asking what happened. The boy weakly tells his rival that they faced a Pokemon no one knew about, saying it was not only powerful, but evil as well. Ash not believing there could be such a thing as an evil Pokemon. Their talk is suddenly interrupted by the girls crying over their favorite boy's loss, Ash dropping Gary in response. Misty tells the girls to get a hold of themselves. I can't believe Gary lost! <laughs> Why are you making such a big deal about one lost battle? Pikachu! Every time Ash lost a battle, I'd be waterlogged! Pika Pika. She's only kidding! Just as Gary tells Ash that no one could defeat that new Pokemon, Team Rocket rides from a pedestal on the floor, giving their motto and telling the group that they've been promoted to the gym's leaders. Ash's group wonders why Team Rocket would even need a gym, with Jesse saying, The inner machinations of Team Rocket are an enigma. Why would they want a gym? Oh, you little dweebs couldn't understand the complex plans of an organization like Team Rocket. Yeah, try us. They're for us to know and for you to find out. What are they? Huh? Those plans are classified information. She don't know them either. Ash agrees to the gym battle and is told to step onto his own raised platform. His friends warn him that it may be booby-trapped, but when goaded by the rockets using the badge as leverage, he steps onto the platform. Jessie makes this a 3v3, with her sending out all three at once. A Machamp, Rhydon, and Kingler. Ash sends out his Squirtle, which is immediately Star Platinum Aura Aura'd by the Machamp. Suddenly, a light forms under Ash's feet, and he's quickly and painfully electrocuted. James explains that in this gym, the trainers feel the Pokemon's pain, and Jesse tries to get him to give up, with even Gary saying he can't beat the Machamp. Now, notice something funny here? Two opponents on raised platforms overlooking an arena, feeling physical pain as their creatures are injured and knocked out, with a group of friends watching and commentating from the ground. Kinda like Yu-Gi-Oh a bit. I know it's entirely coincidental, but it's still kinda funny to me. Ash, very injured, attempts to use Bulbasaur, Jesse using Kingler. Bulbasaur uses Vine Whip, but Kingler hardens and is unaffected. 
It then uses Bubble, injuring both Bulbasaur and Ash. Gary, out of genuine concern, begs Ash to stop. Our hero, however, says that he's come too far to quit now and refuses to give up. Gary reacts with a surprising amount of awe for his rival. Ash then sends out Pidgeotto, having it quick attack ride on, Jessie noticing sparks around her feet as the attack lands. The bird then uses Double Edge, giving Rhydon a full power hit. Jessie, upon her tower, is electrocuted as well. I didn't think it would matter! It never occurred to me that we could lose! Having foreseen something going wrong, Meowth pulls out a device meant to eliminate the opposing side. Gary, however, bravely attacks Meowth, knocking the device out of his hand. Jesse furiously sends out Arbok and Weezing, Misty calling them out for rule-breaking, but Jesse saying she calls the shots. Ash then decides to follow these new rules as well, sending in Pikachu, who zaps all of the opposing Pokemon, and as a result, Jesse as well. Despite Rhydon having an immunity to electric attacks, it and the other gym Pokemon abandon the arena from the powerful attack, while Jesse is dazed on her platform, getting hit by a charred Arbok and wheezing. Ash celebrates his victory with his entire team that isn't homicidal, with Gary's girls even cheering for him as Brock and Misty happily look on. He's the winner! He's our Ash! Let's all have a victory bash! He's the victor! He's our man! No one wins like Ketchum can! Even Gary reluctantly admits to Ash's skill, but then morosely comments that no one would be able to beat that mysterious Pokemon he faced. James and Meowth climb up to check on Jessie, who angrily hits her teammates for rigging her platform to shock too. Ash demands his badge, but Jessie refuses to give it to him. While both of them argue about this cheating, Meowth notices Togepi playing with his device and begs it to get away. However, his demands are too late, and Togepi happily presses both of the buttons on it, causing Ash's now empty platform and Team Rocket's full one to explode, launching the Rocket Trio out of the gym. Ash catches a dropped Earth Badge and celebrates his victory. The gym then begins to collapse, everyone inside running out, abandoning the gym Pokemon to suffer whatever fate awaited them. Eh, I'm sure they got out fine. Walking away from Viridian, Brock wonders if they'll ever meet the Pokemon Gary fought, with Ash saying that all that matters right now are his eight gym badges. Misty asks where the League event even is, and when Ash doesn't know, Brock suggests asking Professor Oak. Agreeing it's a good idea, the three head off towards Pallet Town underneath a sunset-lit sky. A shocking amount of stuff happens this episode, both in the short, medium, and very long run. First, the episode itself. We got two really big fights. Not only did we get to see Ash win his final gym badge in a pretty heated fight, but we also got to see Gary battle for, I think, the first time in the series. Up until now, he's just been annoying, but this short fight really shows that he's legitimately earned his pride, having a very strong team and easily beating most of Giovanni's Pokemon. Plus, we have a comedic Team Rocket Togepi scene, some Rocket lore, and puns all in the same episode. It's a lot. And interesting note, if I recall right, this is the fastest Ash has earned all eight badges. Despite how many episodes there are in Indigo League and Orange Island, a lot of them from here on out are fillers before the league. And there are also just a lot more episodes between gyms as the series progresses. 
But for the near future, these episodes also start to build up Mewtwo and the first movie. Interestingly, by this point, the movie had already been out for a bit, due to the Porygon incident delaying the anime. Regardless, it's really cool to see the main series build up one of the movies. I don't think they ever do something like this again, actually, which is kind of a shame because it's really cool seeing a looming threat be built up in the episode and pay off in the movies. I think they might kind of do this with Suicune, but I don't want to swear to that. Otherwise, I'm pretty confident they don't build it up at all. The movies are independent. Finally, we also see some growth from Gary. Up until now, he's been the annoying jerk rival in all of his limited appearances. But from this point on, he does noticeably treat Ash with more respect, and also becomes a more serious and cool trainer. It's not a full shift right away, he's still the old Gary for a little while, but when you look at the current Gary, who could now be considered Ash's close friend, a lot changes over time and it really starts here. It's just really fascinating to see, and I love it. So yeah, this is a really good episode. Sadly, it's also one of the last really good and interesting ones until the League, because we have a lot of filler to get through. And next up we have... Episode 64, It's Mr. Mime Time. Synopsis. The gang encounters a traveling circus, with its ringleader struggling to get her Mr. Mime to perform. In an attempt to make it jealous, Ash is forced to perform in its place. We begin with Ash trying to call his mom to announce his return, but unfortunately he gets the answering machine. He then says one of the most Tommy Wiseau things I've ever heard in this anime. Mom, it's Ash, and I got a surprise! You're gonna have a visitor, and it's me! Ash then begins running to get home quick, but slams into an invisible wall. The group then sees a Mr. Mime climbing up it. Ash prepares to catch it, but a woman named Stella approaches and asks that she be allowed to catch it instead. Ash tries to argue, but Brock then jumps in and says that the pretty girl can have the first go, holding Ash back. However, in all the confusion, Mr. Mime manages to get away. Brock blames himself for this failure, and agrees to help resolve this in any way he can. The trio is then taken to Stella's circus, where she's the ringmaster. Her employees ask if there was luck finding another Mr. Mime, as there still refuses to perform. Stella then shows the group her Pokemon, which is lazily sitting around eating chips instead of working. Stella says it's her fault due to training Mr. Mime too hard. She then decides that a good way to fix this is to get a new Mr. Mime to make hers jealous, and Brock continues to insist that he'll help. Stella, I'm gonna get you a new Mr. Mime today. Do you think you really can, Brock? I guarantee it. Can I count on you? They don't call me Brock the Rock for nothing. <laughs> they must be talking about the rocks in his head. Ash comments that another Mr. Mime will be really hard to catch, but Brock ominously laughs and grabs Ash, saying he'll just make a Mr. Mime. Elsewhere, the Rocket Trio visits a secret base, apologizing to Giovanni over a television for their failure. He scolds them for wasting time, demanding Pokemon instead of excuses, and the trio quickly runs off. Giovanni then looks proudly at his Mewtwo. The rockets then float around in their balloon, trying to figure out what to do. Meowth says that rare Pokemon don't just slap you in the face, before a poster from the circus slaps him in the face. Back at the circus, Ash has been forced into a Mr. Mime suit, much to his anger, since the other two gave real lame excuses for why they're not wearing it themselves. Ash tries to get out of it, but is peer pressured into it. 
Frog assures Ash that Stella's gentle training will teach him all he needs, with Stella agreeing. Before she starts angrily whipping and yelling at him! Frock and Misty are fine with this, and Ash for some reason puts up with it instead of quitting on the spot again. Frock and Misty then stare at the circus's Mr. Mime, saying the plan doesn't seem to be working. The circus then begins, showing off a variety of Pokemon before a costumed Ash walks out with Stella. He then sees his mom in the crowd and almost blows his cover to say hi. Suddenly, the lights go out, and Team Rocket appears, giving their motto while doing a trapeze act, falling but recovering themselves. They then announce their goal of stealing Mr. Mime, throwing a net at Ash and Stella. Brock pulls his waifu for laifu out of the way, leaving Ash to be kidnapped. Just as the group worries for his safety, Ash's mom runs up to them, saying she knew it was him and being worried about his capture before quickly changing her tune and saying, ah, there's nothing to worry about, they'll probably just let Ash go when they see it's him. And they all very quickly and happily forget about their friend and son, who was just taken by violent criminals that harbor a grudge against him and were totally willing to kill him in an explosion literally one episode ago. At a secret cabin, the Rockets celebrate their heist. However, Ash quickly manages to untie himself, removing his gag as well and shocking the group by speaking. Despite the fact that he was in a mask and was never actually gagged since it was just like wrapped around the head of the mask and not in Ash's mouth, so he could have talked whenever he wanted. After revealing himself, the Rockets don't actually believe it's Ash, instead thinking it's a mime trick. Ash just gives up and leaves with one of the best line deliveries I've heard. I'm not a Mr. Mime! I just play one on TV. I'm out of here. The Rockets try to chase him to get revenge for being foiled again, proving my point about his danger. But he already stole their balloon and is flying away. At Ash's home, his friends and Stella thank his mom for food and head out. As she heads back inside and worries about her son again, Ash's mom, who I will just call Delia from now on for ease, sees a wild Mr. Mime knocking on her door. Not realizing it's a real one instead of her son, just assuming he's staying in character, she lets it in and gives it lots of food. Ash then finally arrives at home, and is surprised to see another Mr. Mime, with Delia wondering if Ash has a secret twin. You know, the woman who birthed him wondering if there's a twin also wearing a Mr. Mime suit? What a wild coincidence that would be. Ash then tells his mom that she let in a real Mr. Mime, and that he's the real Ash, removing his mask and being happily welcomed home. The trainer then begs for Mr. Mime's help at the circus, and is initially refused, but the Pokemon accepts after being asked and bribed with dessert by Delia. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is rushing towards the circus in a full-fledged tank. They fire missiles at the performing Pokemon, capturing them all. Brock, Misty, Stella, and her crew panic, trying to escape with the Pokemon in their trucks, but getting trapped in the net as well. Stella tries to flee separately with Mr. Mime, carrying it on her back, but she's spotted and is about to be caught before Ash jumps in front of the cannon, Delia and the other Mime arriving on the stolen balloon. While his friends are happy he's back, Team Rocket demands he move, threatening to run over Pikachu. The rodent tries to zap the tank, but it's ineffective as the tank is made of rubber. Which, I mean, it isn't. You can clearly see it's metallic and full of bolts, but whatever. Feeling desperate, Ash sends out Charizard, but it lays down disinterested and Ash disappointedly recalls it. 
As the trainer tries to avoid getting run over, Delia asks Mr. Mime to help save Ash. It then jumps in front of him, creating an invisible wall to block the tank missile. As it creates more, Team Rocket tries to ram the walls, being unsuccessful. They then decide to just go around the walls, but Stella's Pokemon creates more unbreakable barriers. Teaming up, both Mr. Mimes create a giant tower of invisible walls surrounding the tank, stopping the rockets. Delia hugs and thanks her Mr. Mime, who she affectionately nicknames Mimey. Stella praises hers for its hard work, apologizing for mistreating it, as both agree to work together again. Team Rocket tries to blast through the tower, launching all of their missiles at once. This is unsuccessful, though, and just ends up blasting them away. Our heroes return to Ash's house, where Mr. Mime, now Ash's new dad, cooks everyone a meal as the group settles in for a rest at home. This episode definitely serves as a more comedic breather after the last gym. But in the end, while trying to be funny, it just made me feel bad for Ash for once. All his friends and family just give zero thought about him, and are ambivalent to his suffering. He deserved better this episode. Otherwise, it's fine, I guess. Ash gets adopted by Mr. Mime, so that's fun. Alright, coming up we have... Episode 65, Showdown at the Poke Corral. Synopsis. Finally back in Pallet Town, Professor Oak meets with and explains the differences between Ash and Gary, giving them a guided start to league training. Ash stands in the middle of the Pokemon League arena, ready to prove himself. He throws out a Pokeball, but it spins back and grows in size, opening up and trying to suck him in. However, it's quickly revealed that it's just a dream caused by Mr. Mime vacuuming his face. At breakfast, everyone makes fun of Ash, calling him a dirty boy, before Ash is reminded to go see Professor Oak about the League. Elsewhere, the Rocket Trio dejectedly approach their secret base again, scared of what might happen to them due to their failures. They then decide that they can't be fired if they quit first, so they yell their resignation and turn to run away, when a giant explosion suddenly blows up the base. The trio watch Mewtwo quickly fly off, its armor falling away, and rush to check on the damages. Seeing their boss, they check on his safety, but he yells at them for existing, asking what they're doing. Before any of them can say they were quitting, a helicopter picks Giovanni up. The trio asks what they can do, and he brushes them off by telling them to just do their job for once. They interpret his words in a very unique way. You just heard what the boss said, didn't you? He just wants us to do our job. The head honcho just gave us a major vote of confidence. At Oak's place, the professor lets Ash in, but ignores the boy in favor of Togepi. He then leads the group to a sitting area, showing that Gary also arrived for a talk about the League, giving Ash some sass on his tardiness. Oak tries to defuse the situation by saying that they're both the top trainers from Pallet Town, but the two huff and turn away from each other. After being brought some tea from Ash's Krabby, Oak explains that the other two trainers that left Pallet started strong, but just didn't hold up in gym battles at a certain point. At the mere mention of the Pokemon League, Ash jumps up and prepares to run off, before Gary asks him a question. Yeah, what is it? Just one question. Where's the Pokemon League meeting this year? Uh... 
Misty and Brock point out that the only reason they're even there is to find out where the League is. And Gary flexes his brain muscles at Ash by saying that he knows the League only meets once a year at the same spot. After begging Gary for answers, Oak tells the two that the League is going to be held at the Indigo Plateau, exactly two months from that very day. He then encourages the two to train until then, with Gary picking on Ash and saying that while our hero is a good trainer, no amount of training will let Gary be the loser. Cutting back to Ash's house, Team Rocket tries to get close to Pikachu by pretending to be reporters doing a documentary on future Pokemon Masters. Hearing that the two are looking for the child of the house and not the lady, Mr. Mime viciously sweeps them away into the distance, Delia telling them to check Oak's lab. Back at the lab again, Gary and Ash have a crabby measuring contest. Gary explains that he rotates his Pokemon team out so that they each get to train to become stronger, saying it's a trainer's job to increase their Pokemon's battling prowess. Gary then teases Ash further, taunting him for sticking with the same team all the time. Brock asks Oak to intervene, but he does not care in the slightest. You gotta stop this, Professor, or there's gonna be a fight. I'm sorry, Brock, but I'm a professor, not a referee. Continuing to beat on Ash, Gary explains that he'd have a whole team of type advantages ready for every gym, and Misty confirms that Ash would probably just use Pikachu. Just as the argument turns to the amount of Pokemon caught, Oak pulls out the two trainers' Pokedexes, telling them that while Gary caught more Pokemon, Ash saw more Pokemon. Gary then suggests that he get to show off his Pokemon collection, and Oak makes a pun. Grandpa, let's go to your lab and show him all the Pokemon I caught. Yes, good idea. Let's poke around in my laboratory. First up is Ash's Pokeball shelf, which has an impressive amount of Pokemon on it, but almost all of them are his Tauros. Gary, meanwhile, has captured over 200 Pokemon, with some of them being duplicates just because you can never be too prepared. The two trainers then insist that their method is better, Gary catching a lot and training and switching them out to suit the current battle, and Ash spending a significant amount of time bonding with his smaller and closer-knit team. Oak then diffuses the situation a bit, saying that each of their methods are completely valid, since both still care deeply for their partners regardless of the method. During this, Team Rocket sneaks onto Oak's property through a back route, becoming tired. They then accidentally kick a pebble into a tree, causing a bunch of Kakuna to fall from the branches. And as a result, Beedrill also appear, chasing the trio. They're then blocked by and run into a Snorlax, James making this great comment. Get the license plate number. Trapped, they're killed by Beedrill as Oak tells the group how he runs his lab. He starts the day by checking on his Pokemon inventory, letting the Pokemon out in turns into his specially made habitats for exercise and fresh air. He then feeds them all, then feeds them again, and then begins his research. After one more meal, he recalls the Pokemon and gets ready to start again the next day. A Doduo then approaches, it and Gary happily greeting each other. While continuing to discuss his research habits, Oak points out that Pokemon eventually take on some of their trainers' personalities. Hey, that's true, like Misty and Psyduck. Hmm? Ridiculous! You know what that means. Huh? I think I might have a girlfriend. Susie loved her Vulpix and gave it to me. Now if the Vulpix is like me, and she still loves it, that means she loves me. Uh... Hey, what's up with this guy? He's on vacation in Fantasyland. 
Just as Oak tells Ash that the Pokemon left here became more attached to him as a result of their time at the lab, Muck comes out of the brush and glomps Oak, proving his point. The rockets then climb up a mountain, Jessie accidentally grabbing a Geodude's hand, causing it to get all blushy before she just throws it aside. She then picks up a Sandslash, which promptly tears off her face. An Onyx then pops out of the ground and chases them away as we switch back to the main group again. When Ash says that Oak must have every kind of Pokemon there is here, he says, Of course I don't, you idiot. Brock then gives an increasingly poorly aged speech about there being only 150 known Pokemon in all of existence, causing Ash to recall the Ho-Oh he saw when he set out on his journey. Both trainers promise Oak that they'll find as many Pokemon as they can, becoming great trainers in the process. The two then look at each other with another stare of respect, suggesting that they each battle each other as a way to train. Before they can, however, an explosion goes off in the distance, Oak saying that's where the electric Pokemon are as they all rush off towards it. Team Rocket, having been blown up by Electrode and Voltorb, all consider going home before our heroes arrive to confront them. Professor Oak and Gary are shocked at seeing a talking Meowth, despite Gary having seen, heard, and tackled him just a couple episodes ago, and the professor asks him to speak more, leading into the motto. Just as Ash and Gary prepare to battle the trio in defense, a herd of Tauros stampede towards the group, ramming into and launching away Team Rocket, who are relieved that they at least still have their jobs. While Gary tries to take all the credit, Ash says they didn't really do anything. However, Oak points out that Ash was actually the one responsible for preventing any thefts, as that the entire herd were all his Tauros. Gary then decides to head off, saying he's had enough for one day, and the two can save their battle for the Pokemon League. As Ash looks forward to his league battle in two months, he yells that he'll start working right away, which Oak says is good, since he needs to repair the fence his Tauros broke. Roping Misty and Brock into it as well, the episode ends with Oak giving a half-baked excuse of sharing each other's burdens helps you grow as a trainer and person or something. I don't know! Who cares? Fix my fence! Alright, this is the last episode before we have a ton of filler. And it's a good one, I think, because it, for the first time, really compares Gary and Ash. Gary was always seen as just one step ahead and always better than Ash, but in reality, both of them are skilled trainers that just have different preferred methods. If we consider that Gen 1 or even Gen 2 could have been the end of the Pokemon anime, as nothing was entirely set in stone yet, I think this would have been a good resolution for the two. A friendly, respectful rivalry between two tactics instead of a superiority contest. And concerning that, we see Gary on the cusp of his character change, which is a growth I don't think we see in many characters as the series progresses. It's a really strong contrast from his game counterpart, and I really like the dynamic they took here. So, I like how almost restful and plot-centric this episode is. A good bit of story before the League arc begins. But also before the League arc begins, we've got a lot of filler to get through, so get ready guys! Buckle up, because next up we've got... Episode 66, The Evolution Solution. Synopsis. Upset at having to stay and train at home while his family and friends visit a beach resort, Ash finds an excuse to join them when he volunteers to help with Oak's research on Pokemon Evolution. 
Ash sees his mom, friends, and several other Palatown residents lining up to go to Seafoam Island, a popular beach destination. Ash rushes to join everyone, but his mom holds him back, saying he needs to train for the league. Ash watches them wave as they walk off, annoyed, before Mr. Mime sweeps up a dust transition. Stopping by Oak's lab, Ash sees him struggling with something. He explains that he's been trying to figure out why Slowpoke evolves into Slowbro when its tail is bitten by a shoulder, but is unable to come up with any sort of answer. The professor then recalls his friend, Professor Westwood, one of the people who helped program the Pokedex, saying he may know the answer. Hearing that the professor is on Seafoam Island, Ash volunteers to visit Westwood for Oak as part of his training and rushes to the island. Seeing his friends windsurfing, he calls them over and they accuse him of slacking. After Misty falls off her board and creates another transition, the trio walk to Westwood's lab, Brock excitedly telling the other two about all of his Pokedex work. Meeting the professor, he lets them inside, asking to be referred to as Westwood the Fifth showing off a wall of ancestors that look exactly identical to him, ending on an overly flattering portrait of himself. Taking an interest in Togepi, the Professor and Brock then begin to discuss legendary Pokémon. Westwood doesn't actually really believe they exist, a statement that gets worse and worse with every trainer Ash encounters that has one, culminating in Pokémon journeys throwing all of that to the wind. The professor then goes on to say that some of the data has to be slightly fictitious as a result. Misty calling him out for making stuff up. Only what I've created myself because I'm not convinced most of them exist. Right now, I'm working on a fictional account of the subject. You mean you're making stuff up? Yeah. Well, I guess you could say I'm making stuff up, I suppose. Forgive me, Westwood, the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. I forgot that one's me. <coughs> He's a little eccentric. I think it's probably hereditary. He must have gotten it from Westwood's one through four. Westwood points out a Slowpoke, telling the group he's trying to figure out why Shelter bites Slowpoke's tail, just like Oak is. His end goal is to present his findings to the Pokemon Symposium, where all the leading Pokeologists show off their research. He then takes the trio fishing, telling them that he does it to follow and learn about Slowpoke's lifestyle, as it's one of the only Pokemon that fishes. Ash decides to check his Pokedex, which just mocks Slowpoke full throttle. Slowpoke, the dopey Pokemon. No one can tell what a Slowpoke is thinking, if it ever does think. Its specialty is fishing with its tail. It's not very nice to call Slowpoke dopey. Is that what you called it, Westwood the Fifth? Eh, maybe one of my assistants wrote that particular entry, but Dopey does sound like an accurate technical description of Slowpoke's mental capacity. As Pikachu tries to talk to the dim-witted Pokemon, Misty says that she's seen that expression somewhere before, with Psyduck popping out of its Pokeball to remind her of his face. Psyduck and Slowpoke then try to communicate with each other as well, but both end up just confusing each other further. A Krabby then crawls out of the water, pinches the two Pokemon's tails unprovoked, and goes right back into the ocean. Thanks, Krabby. Both Pokemon sit and stare for a few moments, before Psyduck finally reacts to the pain and he's like, Zay -ay 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 -ay. While Psyduck freaks out, Slowpoke fishes up a Magikarp. Thinking of fish, Westwood suggests everyone gets food, as the camera then pans across the beach, landing on Giovanni. Despite having just lost Mewtwo last episode, he's taking things pretty well, relaxing on the shore to forget about the whole incident. 
Meowth watches with tears in his eyes as the boss spoils his Persian, Jesse and James disgruntledly digging up clams for the boss. Meowth yells at them to work harder. And now he's got us digging for clams like a couple of clam diggers. Keep digging till you hit China, or he'll make us take another pay cut. Mess up again and we're fired. Why don't we bury Meowth in the sand head first? Upset at other people having fun, James flails around screaming, accidentally digging up a shelter. James sends out his wheezing to attack, and after dodging an ice beam and using haze, Jesse jumps in front of James and captures it before he can. The three are then called over to Giovanni's side, while he warns them not to mess up again or they'll face consequences. Meowth tries and fails to steal Persian's milk. Giovanni then tells them to break into and steal from Westwood's lab, which they agree to do. Back at the lab, the professor points out that Shelder's appearance changes with Slowbro's evolution, and his main goal is trying to figure out why that is. The group then notice and watch a parasailer speed by, before the parachute detaches and heads straight towards the lab, revealing itself as Team Rocket all grabbing onto one sail giving their motto muffled under a parachute when they land. After confirming Westwood is one of the Pokédex's creators, Jesse tells him he'll make a Team Rocket Dex, giving him a list of demands. Jesse, the beautiful female member of the team. Her brilliant mind is surpassed only by her style and personality. <laughs> James has the looks of a movie star, the agility of an athlete, and a head that's too small for his brain. That's me. And me out. The feline mastermind whose diabolical plans never fail. The only thing sharper than his mind are his claws. I'm also humble and housebroken. And okay, I'm just gonna play this next part as well because it's just great. Oh no! They have some nefarious plot to kidnap me and make me their slave! They want my superior intellect to help them rule the planet! Please, the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, you gotta help me save me for a second of Westwoods! Oh, I forgot again, that's me. <clears throat> We don't want a Professor. We want to steal all the Pokémon we can get our paws on. Please, not Professor. Call me Westwood the Fifth. I'll call you Henry the Eighth. Just give us the Pokémon. Westwood tells the trio that the only Pokémon he has in his lab is Slowpoke. Figuring it's better than nothing, Jessie prepares to evolve Slowpoke with her shelter. I just want to point out that the best course of action here is to just pick up the Slowpoke and walk away with it, and then evolve it after giving it to Giovanni. Who knows, maybe he wants just a regular Slowpoke and not a Slowbro. You don't know, you can't just assume this stuff, Jesse and James. The professor then grabs his Slowpoke and tries to run, but trips and drops it on the beach. Jesse sends out Shelter, and Slowpoke runs with surprising speed away from it. Misty jumps in front of Ash to help, since they're at the ocean and she has a specialty with water types. But Psyduck pops out first, because of course it does. As everyone just makes quip after quip about this situation, Shelter bites Psyduck's tail, causing it to flail around and fling it into the sky. James then has Weezing repeatedly lightly bap into Psyduck, causing Misty to panic, despite this being a perfect way to give it a headache, something James and Misty didn't really consider. Jesse then throws Shelter at Slowpoke again, but it mistakenly clamps around Psyduck's head. As a result, it gets a headache, disabling and levitating Team Rocket and Shelter. Before it suddenly recovers, dropping the rockets a small bit in the distance and Shelter near the main group. As Slowpoke goes to thank Psyduck, it steps on and slips off of Shelter, with the Pokemon then taking the opportunity to chomp on its tail. 
Team Rocket happily watches in the distance, excited that they get to steal a Slowbro after all. The Slowpoke then evolves, quickly forming into a Slowbro. Westwood says he's the first researcher to witness this. But that is 100% just a complete lie. I mean, come on, dude. Really? You're just going to lie about this? Team Rocket tries to rush and grab Slowbro, but Westwood tells it to use Mega Punch. Unfortunately, it's under the effects of its own amnesia move and forgot how to use it. But remembering just in time for the Rockets to jump at it, it punches all three away, blasting them off. Westwood then declares that he figured out why Shelter clamps onto the tail. It's mutually beneficial. It really took you this long to figure something like that out? He explains that Slowbro has Shelter's weight lifted up onto two legs, letting it have free use of its arms. Shelter, meanwhile, is now allowed to travel on land. Makes sense, except for why Shelter wants to be on land, especially since Clam Pearl, as seen from the bike episode, can be on land completely fine. This also doesn't answer most of the questions the episode asks, it just kind of says it does. You know, like, it doesn't answer why Shelter changes shape. That was a question they asked really early, and just no one answers it. The trio then leave the lab. Misty points out that Ash lost a whole day of training, but he says it's fine, he got to learn about Pokemon, and that's worth half the battle. And while we're supposed to interpret this as a lame excuse, he does have a point. Based on that league admissions exam, stuff like this is stuff trainers are apparently expected to know. Psyduck is then seen looking back towards the lab, distracted. Ash suggests that maybe it wants to say bye to Slowbro, so they let it get one last farewell at the beach. But both of them just seem to keep confusing each other again, as the rest of the group watch on, bored out of their minds. The most interesting thing this episode presents to us is that a small group of people created the anime's Pokedex. It seems obvious, but it's not something you'd ever really think about. So yeah, whenever the Pokedex says there's no information available on an extremely common Pokemon, you know that you can blame Westwood. Other than that, eh, episode was okay, I guess. Hello, 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 my Gamerinos. It's me, Intro Ryan again, back and talking to you live from the intro. Guess what? It's the outro now, but you didn't see that coming. Well, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you enjoyed what you heard... Make sure to press the follow, subscribe, whatever button it tells you to on your funny little app device. And also tell your friends about the funny little Pokemon guy on the interwebs making podcasts. I almost said videos. Making podcasts about Pokemon. He can never say Pokemon right. He always pronounces the hardy and people get angry at him for it. And with that, I would like to wish you a pleasant morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one. Bye!